the swamp drawer where all good produce goes to die. Dun, dun, dun. We couldn't afford it even when there weren't food shortages. We certainly can't afford it now. Recession-proof your grocery budget. Learn to grow the food your family eats without the weeds or the waste. For more information about my simple and easy container gardening course, where you will learn to save money by growing your own healthy organic fruits and vegetables, go to joyfulprepcontainergarden.com. Have you ever found yourself feeling out of control and overwhelmed with all the chaos in the world? As mothers, we're dealing with some pretty heavy stuff. Joyfully Prepared guides and reassures mothers that they can create a home of love, unity, and laughter, as well as produce an atmosphere of resourcefulness and resilience. I know a lot about a few things and a little about a lot of things. I'm your host, Wendy Bergen, and this is the Joyfully Prepared podcast. So a few years ago, I took two of my children, um, teenagers, to Rome. And on our last day there, we went and visited a museum. We toured a museum. And I'm going to share with you a little bit more about the museum and a story. And I found a quote by Ellis Vidler, which says, Bad decisions make good stories. A very special but also sinister place in Rome is the crypt of the Capuchin. The crypt of Our Lady of the Conception of the Capuchins was built between 1626 and 1631 by order of Pope Urban VIII. Since his brother Antonio Barberini was a Capuchin brother, As a cardinal, Barberini had the remains of thousands of Capuchins excavated at the Via dei Lucchesi Monastery and had their bones placed along the walls of the crypt like works of art and symbols. After that, the brothers also began to make their own bodies available. The crypt now houses the remains of about 3,600 brothers buried between 1500 and 1870. Well, welcome to the podcast. This is the Joyfully Prepared Podcast, and I'm your host, Wendy Bergen, and I'm super happy that you're here today. And I know that's kind of a different opening for me, but I needed this kind of set the stage for the story that I'm going to tell you. So, um, like I said, we went over to Europe, to Rome, and we were in Rome for a few days, and then we were getting on a cruise to go up and down the Mediterranean for a few a few days. But we, we were hanging out in Rome, and we were told to go to this museum. Um, they call it a crypt, so I'll refer to it either way. And it was just right up those right couple blocks up the road from our hotel, and I said, I got to see this. So we went to this um, museum slash crypt, And I had no idea what to expect. We had a tour guide earlier in the weekend who said, you've got to go see this. They have this artwork done out of bones. I'm like, that's that's different. So we go up there, and um, I'm with my mom and my dad, my two children, my sister, and her her son. And we go to pay the 
the uh, entrance fee admission, I guess we call it. And um, they said, blah, blah, blah. They tell us whatever. And they said, no photography, no photography whatsoever. When you get in there and we're like, why not? Like, why can't we take pictures? And they said, no photography. Now, most of us don't like to be told what to do, especially without a good reason. So I debated, um, we went through the kind of the museum, the history of the crypt and the museum itself. And then we entered kind of, we went down a little lower and they had, I don't remember, four or five rooms, um, kind of, they weren't, you didn't walk into the room. There was a kind of a hallway and the, you had three walls and the fourth wall was open to see into that particular, I guess they're calling them crypts, I assume. And um, these different rooms had different, um, they used the bones, I, I mean, honestly, artistically. Now, I personally felt it to be a little creepy uh, as I was in there, but honestly, it was kind of amazing. And I mean, no disrespect to this um, crypt at all. I honestly have great regard for um, those uh, who are there and the artists who did this work and the the continuing effort to to keep this this area um, well respected and, and preserved. So, but so uh, we're in there, and I'm like, I've got to take a picture of this. <laughs> that sounds. You can go online and you can see the the photos. And I thought to myself, I've got to take a picture of this. And they said, no photographs. And I thought, don't tell me what to do. So I really did debate of like, can I just hide it? Can I, you know, just uh, take a little picture snapshot? Well, um, I guess wisdom and maturity and respect went out. And I did not take a picture in this area. However... My children did. So my mom, my mom and dad, and my sister and nephew had already kind of left. I tend to linger um, in museums and just everything because I'm trying to absorb all of the information at the when I'm wherever I'm at. So we were the last in line. So my my mom and my dad and my sister and nephew they walked out, and. Um, as, as they were walking out, this woman came walking towards us with great authority. Like she had a mission and she looked at me and then she looked at my son and she looked at my daughter. She looked back at my son and she pointed at him and she said, I need to talk to you and de blondie, like pointed to both of them. Like, Oh no. Oh no. And I'm like, what, what's going on? And she said, you took you took um, pictures, and and my son said, "No, I didn't." Yes, you did. No, I didn't. So he chose. Notice these things. And chose to take the photographs. He chose to lie. She said, um, "You have to give me your phone. You have to open your phone. I need you to delete your photographs." And he goes, "No, I don't." She said, "Yes, you do." He said, "No, I don't. This is a free country." And that was basically the end of the story because um, that is not the case. So we, as a family, we um, we tease about it a little bit. It's nothing for, um, and my son, I asked him if I could share the story, and he said yes. He said, I think, 
He goes, whatever. He goes, you're fine. He says, because I know you'll do something good with it. So we, there's no shame in, um, in what he, this story at all. That's not how we feel about this. So needless to say, he has no photographs of these, of these um, crypts. So I'm, I'm, my podcast today, my episode today is about how self-reliance is freedom. And this is a very near and dear topic to my heart. And I, why did I start with this story? Because this story has everything to do with what self-reliance is, the beginnings of all of it. So I wanted to read a couple other quotes because um, they kind of um, fall into um, this episode as well. So this is from, this quote is from Mahatma Gandhi. And it says, your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. So our choices stem from our thoughts. We, we, we even get to choose our thoughts. We can choose to have a bad day. Um, we can choose to think poorly of ourselves. We can choose to have ice cream instead of a salad. That's a really hard choice, I have to say. <laughs> so at the end of the day, though, our thoughts create our choices. Our thoughts create our choices. We tend to be, we don't want to be accountable for things. We just don't want to. Why? Because that's painful. So talking about my son, um, he took these pictures. He made the choice to take these pictures. Now, he may have had the same thoughts going on in his head that I did in my head when I was like, oh, I really want to take a picture. Please don't tell me what to do. I'm going to take a picture anyway. And then my thoughts said, no, don't do that. So I didn't do that. Whereas my son, he made the choice to take the pictures. That's okay. He made the, he didn't hurt anybody. He just chose to be, he chose to be disobedient and his consequence came quickly. A lot of times we don't have quick consequences. His consequence came quickly. And remember consequences aren't good or bad. They're just the consequence of a decision, right? So uh, he chose to do this and then quickly he was like uh-oh especially when she came at him you know because that's her job and told him you took photographs then he chose to say no I didn't he lied and then eventually she's like yeah you really did and he had to delete the photographs and that was the end of that there was nothing else that went on that was just the story one that we've all learned from so in this moment, when she walked up to him, up to that point, he was like, this is great, blah, blah, blah. And then at that moment, when she walked up to him and said, you got to show me your phone, you took photographs, immediately he was in pain. And this is where we all struggle. We struggle because nobody wants to be in pain. Not one of us wants to have feelings, feelings that hurt. We don't actually want to be in physical pain my back hurts, I twisted my ankle, I have a headache. We don't want that kind of pain, but we don't want emotional pain. We don't want spiritual pain, mental pain. We don't want pain. And many, many times we make choices 
to get out of pain. We choose to not want to feel pain. And this, this is, I, this is my, my opinion, but as I have watched this happen, uh, as I make choices, I, um, as, like if I lose my temper at a child or I get real complainy, um, it's because I'm in pain. Somehow I'm in pain. And it's my responsibility to discover the reasons why I'm in pain. And then I need to correct. I need to correct my thoughts and I need to correct my choices. That's my responsibility. So uh, my son, when she came to him and said, you, you took photographs, he could have said, yeah, I did. And then she would have had him delete them either way, but we wouldn't have the funny story. But um, the pain there made the choices um, to stay out of pain, right? Okay. You're, but Wendy, okay, yeah. But what, what does this have to do with self-reliance? Well, at the end of the day, we have to be very careful with the thoughts that we think because they do create the actions, just like Gandhi said. And the more at the same action we do over and over again becomes habit. And he says it turns into our values and then onto our destiny. So a couple things I just want to point out. A lot of times when we're in pain, we try to control other people. Um, we get real nitpicky. I was in a service opportunity recently and I was just volunteering. Other people knew how to do whatever it was we had to do. And oh my goodness, we were serving and they were so mean. You have, you can't do it that way. And they were yelling at us. I had my daughter with us and they were fussing at her. And I thought, calm down. I, I did fuss back <laughs> to be honest with you. I did question. I'm like, why are we doing it this way? Like, why are you fussing at us? We're here to serve because we want to help people. We're here to, to help people. And you're yelling at us. And so we, I don't know why they're in pain, these people, but they are trying to control the situation, control us. So we, we do tend to control people in order for us to stay out of pain. So next time you get a little upset, I'm not telling you what to do, but next time you get a little upset at somebody that you love dearly, um, take a minute, figure out why you're in pain, Maybe they are, maybe they didn't put the dish, dishes in the dishwasher the way you would like it, but just take a minute and figure out, does that matter? And if it does to you, is there a gentle way for you to, um, to teach? That's an example. There are always ways that you can, and I, I have overcome a seriously bad temper, a seriously, seriously bad temper. And so... Um, I, like I said, this is a um, very um, important step in, in our progress is to, to discover why we're on edge. Why, why are we snapping at people? What's going on? And put ourselves in a timeout. The other way that we make decisions or deal with our pain is through coping mechanisms. Um, there's food. That's kind of my, my priority coping mechanism. We, some, some of us like a lot of ice cream. Um, you know what I mean? And, or there's, um, other addictions really 
texting, shopping. I mean, I can't think. I, there's myriads, myriads and myriads of, um, of coping mechanisms. So um, what's happening? I analyze what's going on. Uh, if you're sad, you're in pain, maybe you need to, to talk to somebody. Um, there's lots of different ways, and we can talk about that at another time. I just wanted to bring up this idea that that when we're in pain, our thoughts are focused on our pain, and it's hard to do anything else. I have had um, like physical pain, a wisdom tooth a couple of years ago. All I could think about was that throbbing pain in my mouth, and so it was so hard to make decisions that were joyful or not um, out of the pain because we're so much pain. And the world is so crazy right now that it's hard not to be in pain. It's hard to feel the peace, but you can, you can feel peace. You just have, we just have to um, be accountable for what's going on inside of us. And hopefully you have a good friend, a family member, someone that maybe you can talk to. If you don't, write it in a journal, write it out. Just write, write, write. Doesn't have to be perfectly lined. This, if it's messy, oh, it works so well. I have, I have destroyed many a notebook, notebook, in doing that. Okay, so that's enough. That's kind of. I just want to talk about that. I just want to bring that um, because we just don't tend to see, take care of ourselves when we're in pain. We just don't take care of ourselves, and um, we need to take, you know, self care, right? Um, now, but I want to talk about, so we've, we've talked about this pain, but I want to talk about the choices, the decisions that we're making. We're making these decisions based on the thoughts that we're thinking. So when, when we choose a choice that is not healthy, we're choosing captivity. So I, I do struggle with, um, I love sugar. I do love sugar. I do love food. I do struggle with the, that as one of my coping mechanisms. I'm being a little bit vulnerable here. Um, but this choice to be to use food as a as a coping mechanism has become an addiction. Um, I'm I'm working on it. I'm doing better. I do better some days, some weeks not so much. Then other weeks I'm I'm on it. And sometimes it's just just how it works, you know? We're healthier some weeks, and other weeks something just gets us down. So we have to be gentle with ourselves. Um, but the food, the addictions, the choices, we can, we can choose either captivity or we can choose freedom. When I choose the ice cream over the salad, I am choosing captivity. Um, it's not healthy for my body, and my body has let me know that. And so that my body doesn't respond the way I want it to respond. I can't lift heavy things. I can't run, I can't run away from anybody. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> so you see how I've limited myself because of my choices. And that's that's true in all things. And that is when we limit ourselves, we're not self-reliant. But again, it goes back to the fact that you're making the choice. I'm making the choice. Now, um, I like this quote, and it talks about food 
But I want you to think of it in a like an all-encompassing way. This is from James Allen. Um, he wrote, As a Man Thinketh. He says, change of diet will not help a man who will not change his thoughts. When a man makes his thoughts pure, he no longer desires impure food. Now, I think that's the truth. You could insert just about anything into that quote, regardless of the diet. What are you watching on television or listening to in podcasts? This is a good one. You are choosing freedom in this podcast. I'm just reassuring you of that. Um, what are you listening to? Who are you hanging out with? Um, what are you reading? What what activities are you involved in? Are they lifting you up? Are they making you healthier, making you more free? Or are they bringing you down and bringing you into captivity? So choices create freedom or captivity. It's just, it's one way or the other. Maybe there's some neutral choices. Like maybe what flower to give to your sweetheart. Maybe that doesn't really matter, right? Okay, now... Here's the thing. The more often you choose light over darkness, this um, health over um, disease, if you will, as you choose this healthy way, as you choose freedom, as you choose to take care of yourself, you will get stronger and stronger. You will get faster. You will get healthier. You will become more joyful, and you'll start to make choices to really, when you make these healthy choices, you're choosing your joy instead of to stay out of pain, you're choosing joy. So I am the joyful, uh, this is joyfully prepared, as you know. So I'm all about the joy, even though I'm still working through some of my pain. Um, but here's what I love about self-reliance. Self-reliance gives you the ability to serve other people freely, freedom, freely, you can, you'll have the money, you'll have the food. What's, uh, here's my favorite quote. Let, let me read this. This is from Marion G. Romney. Can we see how critical self-reliance becomes when looked upon as the prerequisite to service? Without self-reliance, one cannot exercise these innate desires to serve. How can we give if there's nothing there? Food from the, for the hungry cannot come from empty shelves. Money to assist the needy cannot come from an empty purse. Support and understanding cannot come from the emotionally starved. Teaching cannot come from the unlearned. And most important of all, spiritual guidance cannot come from the spiritually weak. My most favorite quote, to me, everything, this is a foundational piece of I don't, I'm going to call it doctrine, the doctrine of self-reliance. Self That's what I'm going to call it. It's, it's foundational. So when I say self-reliance is freedom, that is true. When we choose to become more self-reliant by taking care of ourselves first, by taking care of those that we love, and then being able to go out and serve others, that is is self-reliance. Those are the principles of self-reliance. So I want you to think about your thoughts. I want you to think about how, how's it going? How, where are you today? Can you trace back your choices and your thoughts to where you got today? Um, I can, and 
sometimes it's really painful to think about because when we have to be accountable for our choices, it, it is painful. But I have a firm belief that going forward, you can think different thoughts and therefore you can have different things. Um, going back to that quote, that scripture from Isaiah, um, God says, your, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Mine are higher. And um, I paraphrase sometimes. <laughs> and um, we cannot have higher things or higher ways or make higher choices if we don't start thinking higher thoughts. Higher thoughts do not lead to lower ways. Lower thoughts do not lead to higher ways. We have to think of higher thoughts. You are worth it. You are loved. You are unique. You are wonderful. And you're learning. And you deserve to have higher things because you want to be able to serve people. No, nobody wants to be in captivity. And here's the thing. There are many people who were born into a type of captivity. Um, those who are in countries who are born into poverty or in family, families here in the United States. Those who are born into abuse um, or war. Some things that are just horrible, right? So here's, when I, when I was studying this, I, I did pray. I'm like, so what, what do they do? They don't get to have the same choices that I, I get to make. And the answer came back, that's where you go serve. Those are the people you serve. You have the self-reliance. You have the finances. And everybody has different um, circumstances, different financial um, places, food and learning, all those things. But we're constantly trying to get better, right? And so I have the food or I have the finances to be able to to send to people or to lift other people. I can, I can think about them, but do they like? It can be here in my neighborhood, in my family. It can be outside in other countries. I have ways that I can serve, but that becomes, because it's because I'm working towards self-reliance and you are too. I hope, I, I really do hope that, um, that this is, um, received by you from me with you knowing that this is um, a sincere, these are sincere thoughts and my actions are sincere as well. I want, I want to be as, as much, I want to be, I want to be of service. I want to, I want to love people and serve them help them so that they can then go and find others to do the same. That's my desire, not just to be out of debt, not just to have food on the shelf for myself, not just to have no things, have skills. Those things are wonderful. And, and that's good. We should all want all those things. The higher way is to take all that we know and have and to give it to serve other people not at the detriment of what we have, but to prosper others. Oh, I think that's just wonderful. I love that thought. That's what I want to do to serve. And I believe that you want the same thing because we do have these innate desires 
to serve other people. Thank you for listening. Thank you. I appreciate it so very much. Um, I invite you to join my free Facebook group, uh, which is you, it's called Joyfully Prepared on Facebook. And uh, you can also go to the website, well, the link of www.joyfulprepgroup.com, and that'll take you there as well. Um, I appreciate you listening. I hope you have an absolutely wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening to Joyfully Prepared. I'm grateful for you and appreciate you inviting me into your life. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about this delightful podcast. Leaving a joyful review would earn you all sorts of karma points too. I invite you to join my free Facebook group at www.joyfulprepgroup.com and join with other like-minded mothers.